Welcome to The Double Up. I'm Shannon Hughes. And I'm Rachel Tilley. And we're here to serve as the voice of women surfing. This week, we'll discuss the hot topics, including the new surf movie from Vans and whether or not airs will be necessary to win a world title. Chat with Selena Morgan, the director of the Women's Surf Festival. And finally, throw down to Jess Grimwood on the grind. Good morning, Shannon Hughes, our traveler across America. Where are you now? We are finally back at home. We're at my parents' place in Huntington Beach. And um, yeah, we have driven, we took our car in actually to get service this morning and realized that we'd driven 8,000 miles over the last like four to five weeks, which... Well, that's a pretty good effort. It's a pretty good effort. And Aaron, my husband, has officially, and our producer and editor and writer of The Devil F... (laughs) has yes. officially gone to all 50 states, which is really cool. Yay, congratulations, Aaron. Yeah. Aaron, <laughs> would you like to add anything to the group? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm quite happy not talking, but thank you, Rachel. Thank you. <laughs> it is, um, I thought I would give a little bit of background because I assumed that's about as much as he would give us. <laughs> um, so yes. this has been like something he's been working towards since childhood. And we will celebrate our fifth wedding anniversary, January 1st, coming up in just like just over, wow, I guess, close to already. two months or yeah, just over a month, actually, which is crazy. And the winter that we got married, Aaron was planning to hit like his last 50 states. So he had actually done a couple states like through November and December on the East Coast that he hadn't been to yet and was getting close to the 47 that he was at before we went on this trip. So he just needed three more states to round it out. Anyways, and as you know, Rachel, then we just kind of on a whim eloped in the middle of Mexico on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I was going to say that's like an important point to the story of being like, why did your wedding throw like a spanner in the works? But it's because it was not planned. It was not planned. We were very much in love. No, we knew we were going to get married, but. Not quite that quickly. And um, when we got married, then we had, well, we had a couple months actually off of work because of Aaron's job at the time in Australia. You get long service leave if you've worked for the same company for like for 10 years, you get three months off. And so he was on long service leave and had planned to use that to get his last 50 states. And then I kind of came in and ruined that plan and married him instead in the ocean. And um, we did go on a road trip for our honeymoon, but we didn't make it across (laughs) the United States. And yeah, now it's been something that we've been kind of like, you know, every once in a while it coming up in conversation, like, is he ever going to hit 50 states? And he'd kind of almost resolved not to. And then suddenly we just had this gap in the calendar over the last few weeks and decided to make a run for it all the way across to West Virginia as the farthest state that we hit. So yeah, pretty stoked. And now I have that as a goal to have to hit 50 states. I oh, actually dear, haven't counted how many I've been again. to, but somewhere like in the mid thirties, I think is where I'm currently at mid-30s. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Maybe it's even higher than that at this stage. I think I've been to like five. (laughs) Okay, we need you to come over and road trip with us again. No more Australian road trips with you or Asian road trips, but or South African road trips (laughs) and American road trip. (laughs) Just needed a road trip in my homeland. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm happy to uh, hear you guys are back safely and it was uh, the goal was ultimately completed and successful. Very, very successful. And how are you doing? What's your week been like? Um, okay, well, a few points I want to hit. Other than the fact that I am 
pretty much completely watching rewatching Gilmore Girls. I I also have just watched a few episodes. Okay, so it started out this <laughs> has been ongoing. This isn't just this week, but I started out by just watching a few episodes. And I am nearly going to probably finish the last season this week. Oh my gosh. And it just ended up turning into like an entire rewatch. So there's like eight seasons or nine seasons, I think, right? Yeah. So that's been giving me so much like mental peace and has been such a good coping mechanism to all the other things that run through my brain. (laughs) Yes. A little bit of nostalgia. Exactly. So there's my update on that. Update on my jump roping. Oh, please tell me. That I am officially halfway through because, well, here in Australia is now November 18th on the day that we're recording. Um, So the 15th was, you know, obviously halfway through day because there's 30 days in November. And yeah, things are are going good. Just love to report that it's all going good. I'm getting better with my footwork. I'm getting quicker. And Andy thinks I should add another five minutes now to like oh. keep the challenge going. Okay, to make it more I difficult. I have not yet done so because I was like, 10 minutes was that what I said. So why should I add another five? So I'll let you know next week if I have upped my time or not. Because <laughs> this is so an funny. interesting saga, isn't it? I love it. You know what I'm doing right now, Rachel? What? I'm doing a live text to <laughs> live text because we're live on air. A live text. Yeah. You know how it's like you live hear sometimes in office ladies, they're like, I'm doing a live Google something. Yeah. Or actually shameless. I feel like shameless is the one. Yeah. Right? Shameless does. I'm texting Google. Coach Mac, who was my high school soccer coach, to ask her what the whole like was it 10 minutes of jump roping jump that roping. equaled a 90 minute soccer game, or was it actually less than that? So I'm gonna ask her right now and see if I get an answer before we finish recording. That'd be great. Because it's definitely not 10 minutes, knowing about the effort that I put into it. I only burn like not even a hundred calories. So. What? Really? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm like heartbeat 160 for like 10 minutes burns like 80 calories or 90 calories or something. Or that's what my watch says. So I'm like, what the heck is going on here? That's so funny. I'm just going to take a moment to pause and text. <laughs> Think and text. Okay. Well, keep us updated with that. Whenever she texts back at any point in our episode. <laughs> Perfect. My last point that I wanted to touch on about my week is that since we last recorded, I did attend the She Surfs Film Festival, the She Surfs Film Tour, that kicked off on the Gold Coast last week, and it was a feature in our Hot Topics last week, Um, and it was amazing. There were so many great stories, Shanna. It may even be worth us doing an episode on just talking about the videos or, you know, all the short films that... We're seeing in the different stories we got to talk and dive into and learn about. And excellent idea. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It was such a nice evening of just watching women surfing. And, you know, it's not the same as like the girls can't surf, where it's like historical and, and documentary. It's more so, I mean, it's a little bit like that, but it was more so just like these are these women's stories. In the same way, though, why I bring that up. I still felt afterwards, I was like, gosh, you really need to go to these things in the morning because you want to go out and do cool things afterwards. Like after you watch those movies, you don't want to then go to bed. You want to like, you know, go do something. I want to like get out in the water now or I, you know, like I'm inspired. So yeah, I think it absolutely did the trick for me in exactly with the goal of the whole film tour goal is. And and there was 
you know, a crowd of like over a hundred women just at hour one viewing. So I just, again, like to what our conversation was last week, there's definitely that desire there from girls all over to, you know, soak up these things and, you know, hands, what's that saying? Hands off to hats off. Hats off. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to have to do a compilation of like how many things I cannot <laughs> it do in the moment. It should be a segment on the podcast is like Rachel's phrase. A segment of like all my guesses to what I'm looking for. <laughs> Hats off to the entire production. And yeah, just wanted to give that a big two thumbs up. Uh, I love that update. I was planning to ask you about it. And yeah, just how fired up you are about it. And to know that so many young girls across Australia are going to get to see really awesome women on screen absolutely ripping, and it will hopefully inspire them to get in the water and be a little bit more active as well. Okay, live text worked really well. Coach Mac has responded to me straight away, and she says, Yay, so Mac. I remembered things wrong. This was probably close uh, to I figured maybe this was the case. 13 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, <laughs> that I would have heard something like this from her in high school. <laughs> She says, it's probably not equivalent to an entire game, but 10 minutes of jump roping burns like 100 calories and is equivalent to running an eight-minute mile, which is pretty rad. She said it even may, maybe even 200 calories burned. So either way, it's really rad. And running an eight-minute mile, I mean, I guess like it was kind of always a target goal of mine as an athlete to run like a seven-minute mile at least. Yes. You know? I never hit the sevens, but to be it was in hard, the sevens was but always to be in the my sevens goal. Was really good, and so to think of like you jump roping for ten minutes, yeah, <laughs> to being equivalent to like an eight minute mile, that's really good. Yeah, I guess so. I think actually it makes me feel a little bit better. I mean, I loved actually having this false security that I was playing a ninety minute soccer game. I like <laughs> yes. that she was like, um, maybe not that, but <laughs> I told her that I definitely remembered that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But at least she did kind of confirm that it burns only like 100 calories. So yeah. that makes me feel like, oh, okay, good. I'm not like not doing something right, I guess. Yeah. Um. Anyways, well, thank you. Is it Coach Mac? Coach Mac. Thank you, Coach Mac, for getting back to us. And um, yeah, encouraging my jump roping dreams, even though she doesn't know she's doing that. <laughs> I'll let her know later on. I can't text and talk at the same time. I've just discovered that about myself. Let's get into our hot topics. All right. And now into our hot topics, where we bring you the top news stories from the week. Our first hot topic for the week is the new Van Surf film. It features 11 women from the Van Surf team. It's called Cadaver Exquise. And please excuse me for not speaking French. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Um, But it was such a cool film. It's about 25 minutes long. And Tom Curran's daughter, Leanne Curran, directed, produced, edited, scored, and starred in this film alongside of the other women. Yeah, Shan, um, Stab also did a good article on this and has it featured on their website. And so we'll put that into our show notes. But I just love overall seeing this. Again, it's that discussion, the films, like anything about women surfing is just really starting to, it's coming from all directions now, I feel like. We're starting to really see companies invest into this and other women really take the lead on putting these things together and recognizing that need and then saying, oh, I have the skill set to do this. Like, why not me? Let's put this together. And that's what I love about this. It was a film completely made through the pandemic. And you know what I was reading, um, specifically from that Stab article, they 
explain. I'm not even going to try and repronounce the. <laughs> uh, I'm going to cadav- It's like cadaveric squeeze. That terminology in French is about like a type of art where you know, and maybe like if we're comparing it into writing. Let's say you're creating a story and Shan, I would write a whole storyline, like an entire story, and I only deliver you the last paragraph. And then you have to like write the next part of the story. So really cool concept of art. And that's pretty much what they did with this movie. And, you know, all being in different parts of the world throughout the pandemic, this isn't wasn't created on a film trip altogether in one place. It was created just like passing along film clips and from one to another and, you know, which I think helps create that synergy throughout the movie. And yeah, it's just a really cool, fun concept. And, you know, it's always like, it's pretty easy watching good women surfing. So there's that too. You know, just thinking of of what you're talking about in the intro from the She Surfs film tour and just, you know, that excitement of wanting to see something like that more in the daytime so that then you can go out and go surfing. Well, I just watched this film this morning with Aaron and I am like frothing to get back in the water. We obviously haven't surfed for like the last four or five weeks because we've been on the road and just didn't have time to get out this morning. But um, it was such a cool film, like really good music, great art throughout it. I know some of the art is like art from the women that are within the film as well as the music. A lot of the music is actually like written by and sung by the surfers in the film as well, um, which is really cool. And it just was one of those that really made me want to go take my longboard specifically because there were multiple longboarders featured. I thought that was really neat as well because we see, I think the last couple films, Rach, that you and I have seen that have really fired us up like surfing, um, which was, you know, a bunch of the CT women in it. It's all shortboarding. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to see a film like this that included such incredible longboarding alongside of shortboarding was just like really hit home for me and made me really want to get out in the water. The 11 women that are in the film, apologies, of course, if I butcher the names now, but I thought that I would read it out because <laughs> a lot of our listeners, I think, would be familiar with some names, but maybe first timers to hearing or seeing others and some footage from them. So here we go. It stars Margot Armand Tuco, Ariana Amat. Leanne Curran, Layla Hurst, Lola Mignot, Pua de Soto, Karina Rosanko, Bella Kenworthy, Hannah Scott, Holly Wan, and Chelsea Woody. So a couple of names that you and I are well familiar with, our friend Karina Rosanko, some great longboarding from her, the up-and-coming Grom that has been just blowing up, you know, in the competitive scene and kind of the air world with Bella Kenworthy, and then a few other names that we've we've known from along the way as well. Yeah, overall, I just... I just love watching beautiful women surfing and a beautiful depiction of women surfing. And I like that this is just something that's pleasing to watch. If that, if that is like, I don't know if that's a weird way of describing it, but you know, it is like, like you said, it, it does fire you up, but also it's not, again, I'm going to compare it back to like the girls can't surf movie where you're fired up because of like the injustice and like, you want to see oh, yeah, change totally. and like, where this is just like, ah, oh, that is so beautiful. I want to go out in the water and I want to experience that. And yeah, like that's kind of the sense that I got from it. And I really love watching those because it's just like so visually pleasing. It like looks really good. It makes you feel good watching good surfing and good women surfing. So um, yeah, highly suggested. We'll have links in our show notes and definitely have a look and let us know what you think and support the surfers who are in it. 
Our second hot topic is the Sacarema Surf Festival Longboard Pro happening down in Sacarema, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And the women's event is about, they've done one round so far and we've seen some good surfing. looks like they have some good swell. You know, there's quite a few familiar names that we have in it. And it'll be really good to see how this comes through. I have surfed an event down in South America. I've never surfed. It was in Peru. I've never been over to Brazil. But actually, South America and Brazil more specifically as well has a really good longboard culture down there. So um, there's great surfing coming out of there from lots of different South American countries. And I would definitely recommend tuning in. Yeah, Rach, I love knowing that there's a longboard event on the calendar right now um, happening down at Sacarema. There's also with the Sacarema Surf Festival, of course, there is the Pro Junior that's happening and the QS 3000 for the women's side of things, the Roxy Pro. So there's, you know, quite a lot that's been happening in Brazil over the last couple of weeks. They also had the Layback Pro presented by Billabong um, just the week before. So cool to see that there's some events on the calendar. Really love seeing that longboarding has also gotten a spot within there. Um, I know Chloe Kamon is in the draw and has advanced through into the quarterfinals. So she would probably be like our top pick to take out that event. And then there's also Maria Fernanda Reyes, Mafa, um, that we've known from the longboard tour for years, Rachel. And so I think between the two of those, those are kind of like my top two picks looking at the draw for the women left in the quarterfinals for that event. But um, just great to see overall that there is a longboard qualifying series event going on. I'm not aware if it is going to actually count towards next year's rankings for the longboard world tour. From what I know right now, it's not going to, and we'll hope to be able to give our listeners a little update on what's going to be happening with the longboard tour in maybe by the end of the year. Our third hot topic for this week is the Rip Curl Grom Search U.S. National Final Rage. We saw three previous qualifiers happen earlier this year to qualify for the national final. Uh, those took place in Hawaii, on the East Coast, and on the West Coast of California. Or, well, the West Coast of the United States. California doesn't have an East Coast. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. Do we keep rolling? <laughs> that is keeping in. That is being kept in. Okay, so the three previous qualifiers, West Coast being California, the East Coast, and then um, Hawaii as well. And the national finals were at Churches. Yeah, Shen, it looked like they got great waves. Churches is one of my favorite all-time favorite places to compete at. Um, And actually like looking at footage and photos and stuff from the event, it's just brought back so many, you know, I mean, obviously it's the Grom search. I spent so many Grom days at churches and at competitions there. And it just like actually brought so much nostalgia back. Uh But in terms of the event, we have previous winners, including Stephanie Gilmore, Sally Fitzgibbons, Tyler Wright, Malia Manuel, Laura Enever, and Alana Blanchard. And, you know, the winners of this event really get to add their name to a long list of really accomplished women. Yeah, it's really awesome, actually, to hear those names that have previously won this. Um, Of course, this year we saw Erin Brooks take out a massive win. She actually comboed the field in the final, took the win over Sarah Freyer, Iwi Young, and Lily Kubler. In the semifinal, she had a 9.1 and a 9.93, which is so impressive. (laughs) That's amazing. So no surprises to see a name like Erin Brooks walking away the winner. Overall, Shan, I actually really love just what Rip Curl does with this Grom search and these events. And I think it just brings so much energy into Grom surfing and into the next talent and 
you know, there, there are a lot of talent pathways and events, especially in America, like just the way our system is set up. But I do love seeing the support from a specific brand and, you know, it's something they've been doing for so long now. It's something like, you know, you come to know and love about Rip Curl. And I just love that that continues to stay year on year after a year where COVID happened and, you know, it could have just been like, oh, you know, maybe that was a season and we're going to start going a a different direction. Like they've come back. We've seen great events and yeah, I'm just overall, it's really stoked to see it. Our fourth hot topic of the episode is, I don't know, Shane, why I keep saying like of the episode. I feel like that sounds so cringe. But anyways, our fourth hot topic (laughs) is Joyce Magazine's article with Steph Gilmore on just discussing the new tour. And, you know, the headline is actually Stephanie Gilmore with the new tour schedule, tube riding and rail games will supersede airs. So we'd love to talk a little bit more onto that a bit. But um, yeah, just overall a great conversation with Steph. And it's always really nice to see other media outlets such as Joyce Magazine having these conversations with, you know, the big names like Stephanie Gilmore. I feel like a lot of times those conversations are so reserved towards WSL and you can kind of only find it on the WSL platform. And I love when you get to see like these other smaller media agencies that are just really passionate about women surfing and they get to promote some really great content like this. Yeah, Lauren Horky from Joyce Mag has done a fantastic job um, just chasing up stories with girls from, you know, a variety of different backgrounds within surfing, not just at the very top of their game like a Steph Gilmore. Of course, we love seeing that sort of stuff, but she's got some great content that, you know, her and her team have been able to pull together from all different backgrounds within surfing. And I think it actually, Rachel, it makes our job so fun having this podcast and wanting to do it as like a weekly news update to be able to see an article like this drop through from a great surf magazine that happens to be, you know, run by women focused around women surfing. And for us to be able to keep up to date with some news that's happening from, you know, stuff like this, that's dropping through. Yeah, Shan. So back onto that point that I made before that literally is in the headline of the article. (laughs) Um, But one of the questions that Lauren asked Steph was, do you think airs are about to become a must have to win a world title? Or can a strong rail game and great tube writing skills still be enough? So Steph's answer to this question, I'll just read it out as well. With the new tour schedule, tube riding and rail game will supersede the air game. But I think it's super cool what the likes of Sierra Kerr are doing in the air. It's incredible. And if the world title event goes down in a place like Trestles again, then yes, an air could be what wins it. But I personally hold tubes and rail as the holy grail. And I found that to be so interesting because... So interesting. We have been having so much conversation and like the whole surfing world, not just the two of us, talking about women's air starting to blow up and this is where things are heading. And this is like, you know, something that those older women on tour need to really start putting in the groundwork to improve on. And I love that Steph has just come forward. I mean, she's obviously got the experience. She's got seven world titles, um, just a little bit of experience behind her. But she knows Mm. that tour schedule and those stops so well that for her to just lay it straight out and say that like barrel riding and rail game is what's going to win world titles still, I really respect that call. I mean, I respect that call, but I actually don't even, I don't know if I agree with it. Like, I think that's just a little bit, kind of feels a bit like, you know, Mick Fanning to me as well. Someone who also like never really 
pushed air games into his entire game. Like, you know, he can do them, but he was always, Mick is just so notably known for his power rail game. And that's what I think Steph is known for too. And I feel like it's a little bit, I mean, I agree with her in the fact in this year, I don't think we're going to be seeing airs winning events, but I don't think that that's because they're not called for, or that's not what's winning. I just don't think the women on tour are doing them. So she's actually kind of getting lucky in that fact. But if all of these girls who could really do those airs, like really smash them out, then no, I I think, I think she's, I don't know. Like if you look at the men's tour, yes, pipeline, which is now also the women's tour. Um, we know there's more than enough stops on there too, to see plenty of airs, you know, like, yes, we're going to see pipeline and sunset and Chopu, and those aren't going to be the places doing airs, but you do still see trestles. You do still see Brazil. You see, well, I don't know if you'd really say Portugal, but like you see those other spots as well that are more conducive to airs. And I feel like if someone did have that in their repertoire, it would put them in a really strong position for the world title. And I get what she's saying. If like, I feel like that's also coming from the, you know, she does say, and if the world title event goes down in a place like Trestles again, then yes, an air could be what wins it. So it's also coming from the fact that, hey, you win the world title at a single event, you know, and it really depends on where that is. But I'm looking at the entire year as a whole. And I think you're going to, Put yourself at a disadvantage if you see yourself on tour for the next five to seven years or more, and you don't add that into you know your repertoire. Okay, Rachel, I love that argument. I think that you have just hit the nail on the head when it comes to you know the surfers kind of redefining things in waves that are not necessarily expecting something different than rail work or tube riding. Um, remembering back to 2017, Felipe Toledo did two massive alley-oops at J-Bay and he was rewarded with a 10. And I don't even think True. he did any turns. I don't even think he did any turns on that wave. It was just like two in, he landed the first alley-oop, which was like his first maneuver. And then everyone's mind was blown and kind of expecting him to then go to the rail or, you know, look for that kind of in-section barrel through impossibles. And he went for another alley-oop, landed it perfectly. And it like, it completely rewrote what the judges were expecting, what surfers were expecting, and transformed the way that people looked at J-Bay as a wave. And mm. I feel like that is what we've seen from the Brazilians, back to that conversation we've had about them so much, of like the Brazilian men specifically kind of rewriting the way that surfers are approaching waves, especially in competition around airs. And now to think of like the mindset of Steph looking at the schedule and seeing those great waves with so much good opportunity for her to surf with all the power, all the rail, find the great tubes, like really get deep. I love, that's what we love watching, but we're going to start seeing this new generation and maybe it isn't what's going to come in this next year, but with some of those names that are going to be qualifying for the tour of the next couple, I think we're going to start seeing those women that really redefine the way that these different waves are surfed. 100%. And I think that's, that's like, you totally nailed it with that. I think that's exactly where it's going. And I think for Steph, it's actually like something she needs to wake up to and realize. Yeah. I mean, obviously like she referenced Sierra Kerr there, there's, you know, and, and she's one of the many young girls coming up and, and really launching into some serious airs. But I think it's kind of like an acknowledgement that she doesn't need to change her entire game overnight, nor does she necessarily want to. 
And I think she's looking to just get her next world title in, in like the next few years. Um, because if she does have that mentality and she doesn't get her next world title in the next three years, I'd say, then it's going to be really tough compared to we see surfers like Carissa and Sally who are currently looking to integrate that into their their repertoire and they'll be able to keep up a little bit more because they're aware that it's going to have to be something that they'll, you know, young girls are throwing with ease and they're going to have to, you know, keep up. And again, like we saw this exact same thing happen 10 years ago on the men's side. And yeah, so I just, I understand where she's coming from, but I still do think it's an interesting point in the sense that what we have already seen historically with what did happen at, on the men's side with airs, how integrated it really did become, how important it became to a competitor's repertoire, especially now that like I more than 100% expect a bajillion airs to be seen on the men's side. All the women are going to be at those same events. And so why wouldn't that be an advantage to have in your repertoire of maneuvers. Yeah, I like that you like have mentioned what Carissa and Sally have their approach to this because I think their answer, if they were in the same interview or if Joyce Magazine had thrown that same question of world titles, like is it the traditional style to win a world title or do you have to push to airs, which is what that question was posed to Steph. Like I think Carissa and Sally would have had very different answers to Steph's. And um, actually, I don't know if you saw it, but Sally Fitzgibbons put up a post on her Instagram yesterday, like just blasting this huge air in this closeout section. Um, And I just thought it was so cool to be like, she's, you know, at home, she's in her off season and like, she's put up a little ocean appreciation post, but it's of her just doing like this gnarly air um, with like a grab and everything. I don't know anything about grabs, Rachel. That's something that I need to work on as a commentator being able to call out, but. And your aerial blindness. And my aerial blindness overall. So when I see a photo, I'm like, oh wow, they're (laughs) obviously in the air. When I, when I see it live, it's always confusing. But, um, yeah, I just think that that's really interesting to hear like kind of Steph's approach on it, which would have to be different than, you know, what a surfer like Sally or a surfer like Carissa is thinking about. I would also like to you know, just our last point before we add into our last hot topic is this also may be coming from the point of view in that they have not, to public knowledge, released the location for the 2022 Rip Curl WSL Finals. so true. So potentially she knows where it's going to be. And that's kind of her nod to saying, "Mm, yeah, knowing where it's going to be, it's not going to be a factor. You know what I mean? Like maybe she's coming at at it with like, you know, in that mentality, but because we don't have all the information in front of us, you know, then we come at it with the commentary that we just did. That's the only other thing that I can think of. I do still think everything that I just argued to, we just argued to is valid, but that just thought came into my head as well. Like maybe there's some other information that she has in her head of like, uh, because you're right. Let's say well, you know, not that it is, but for example, let's say the Rip Curl WSL finals did happen at Pipe or something like that. It won't because Pipe's already on the schedule. But if it did, well, then correct. You're not, we're not going to be expecting airs to be like the thing. We're expecting tube writing to be the world title winner. You know what I mean? So that's, I'll just throw that out there. That just popped into my head too. And it felt like when it popped into my head, I had to say it. (laughs) No, I like that. Yeah. I mean, it just goes along. Like I have already forgotten the fact that winning a world title is different now than it has ever been. Mm. And so 
you have to make it into the WSL finals, the Rip Curl WSL finals, and be within the top five. And then it's like the best on the day wins the world title. And that's Mm. at any given surf spot that's like, yeah, they haven't announced yet. So I think that's completely, I was definitely going into it still thinking of that traditional, you know, winning at different events all across the globe gets you a world title at whatever stage you end up with most points. If you do are going against a field that are all doing airs and they're consistently winning events, then you can't make the top five to the WSL final. So like, that's why I still think the argument is valid to what we were talking about. Because soon, I still think in five years, it'll be hard, five to seven years, it'll be hard to be in the top five without, you have to have still a strong rail and tube game. Like, I feel like that's a given. Anytime I'm talking about like a strong air game, it's a given that you already have a strong game. Totally. It's like the third thing to the two that you already yeah, have exactly. to have so to I'm even not, get into the conversation. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not saying like you need a strong air game in lieu of you know a rail game or a tube riding game but yeah i just think that you're going to need that in your repertoire in order to even be making the wsl finals so the argument still stands but yeah maybe there's some knowledge from her looking directly into 2022 yeah well i love it thanks so much to joyce magazine for catching up with steph and actually steph's one that we don't hear from very often in articles so it was cool to just have some little insight from her herself Well, Shan, for our final hot topic, we are sitting here with Selena Morgan, the organizer of the Women's Surf Festival that will be taking place on the Gold Coast this weekend. Thank you so much for joining us, Selena. Oh, you're more than welcome. I'm so happy to join you guys and be able to do a bit of a shout out about what we're doing. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the Women's Surf Festival, like why you wanted to do it and what it's about. The Women's Surf Festival was founded by a lot of women. It wasn't my idea. It was about me having chats with mm-hmm. an amazing community of ladies, professional surfers, people who are just entering the sport for, mm. for the first time, specialists within the surfing community. I thought, what is a better way than to actually bring everybody together for a day, two days, to really learn off each other, get inspired by each other, um, share stories, and really celebrate women surfing? Because there's been moments of where that's been happening over the generations and over the decades and there's been epic films being made. There's just amazing talent out in the competitive um, arena. But something that was a little bit homegrown, a little bit more, I guess, reachable for a lot of people um, rather than those who are in that professional scene or those people who are sitting on the beach wondering, God, I'd love to give that a go. It was really just a chance for a community of a wider yeah. group of women to come together and just have a bit of fun and celebrate women surfing. Yeah, that sounds really incredible and really inspiring to be able to engage women from all different backgrounds within surfing, not just those that are competing or that are, you know, actively kind of involved in that space all the time, but to really open up the doors even for younger and older women to kind of be mixing together and getting to to know each other and have some conversations together as well. That's exactly right. Uh, that that was really the um the function to just connect people and to be able to learn. I mean, the likes of um, the Lynn Fuller, the likes of Rachel yourself, Kiramona, we've got some amazing ladies who are just in this community within the Gold Coast. And they've been coming along to share what they've been doing, their stories, their expertise, to really sort of showcase how amazing this sport is, not only from a lifestyle perspective, but also if you're equally wanting to be hugely competitive, there's some amazing tips that these ladies are sharing. And we've got Candice Land, who is, you know, WSL um, physiologist. I mean, my goodness, she has just um, 
got so much to give in terms of showcasing female training for surfing. Mm. I mean, that's a specialist yeah. in its own right, but how many people know that there are some Definitely. certain exercises that you need to check out and not only look after yourself now, but in the future so you can keep enjoying the sport. So that's what I love. I, every day that I talk to somebody, they're teaching me something new. So it's, it's all about being able to connect everybody to also walk away thinking, wow, I want to learn more or I want to do more or whatever, whatever surfing takes you, there's a connection for everyone. Yeah, I love that. I love all the different voices that we're going to be able to hear this weekend. And like you're touching on the different expertises from competitive surfers to photographers to physiologists, like so many different avenues that you can take and still be a part of this wonderful community of women surfing. And just, you know, for people who are looking for that in, can really get inspired by this and learn from these amazing women. So I, I really love that. So what can we expect from the schedule this weekend? What does the weekend look like? So we uh, it's a full day and it's going to be a full day of workshops under a beautiful teepee. So like I mentioned, we've got an inspiration session, which is really focusing on bringing young girls into the mix, sharing their amazing stories. The likes of yourself, Rachel, we've got Mason um, Schremer, Liliana Bowery, Jalan Slab, these are all young girls who are just starting their sort of career in surfing. But not only do they surf, behind the scenes, they're amazing young girls in their own right. You know, actresses, mm. surfboard shapers, girls that are going to build their career in, in university. I mean, these are inspirational yeah. young girls that everybody else needs to say, oh my gosh, surfing's great, but hey, you can do more outside of that as well within the surfing arena. Then we've also got the like ocean and confidence breathwork with Sal Howe. We've got Kira Mona is doing a longboard technical session. We've got a whole range of Hannah Pure doing um, ocean photography. So like you said, a whole range of different expertise as well as live music. Mm. We've got some amazing musicians. We have got a marketplace full of local eco-friendly brands all surfing related, so the first of its kind for the Goldies. So it's going to be really nice to support all these really neat brands and people who are really moving the industry forward in terms of giving everyone choices about what smart buys they can do from wax through to zinc through to beautiful surfwear. So I'm excited just to have all those businesses coming together to showcase um, their expertise and, yeah, giving people better options. Yeah, that sounds so incredible. That detail is so good. And just to know that you've got such a variety of people and just capturing so many things, you know, getting that technical longboarding in there from our friend Kira is so cool to hear. And that breath holding, I mean, I wish that I was going to be there to be able to participate in so many of these things and then to be able to see these different products that are actually like healthy for our environment. And as surfers, it's something that we care so much about is protecting the oceans and keeping Mm. the whole world healthy by protecting the oceans. I just think that's so incredible. Can you share with us just specifically how, you know, is it open for anyone to just walk up on Saturday morning, you know, to find where you guys are at? Do they need to find tickets ahead of time? Like, what does that process look like for who's able to come? So it's pretty easy. It's free for everybody to attend. However, just those workshop sessions are ticketed and a couple of um, small activities. So if you can, just pop onto our website. It's probably the easiest way to find out more information, womensurfestival.com. And um, yeah, like I said, we'd love as many people 
women, girls of all ages, and you know what, this is open to men as well, boys and men. We want everyone to be there. This is going to be enjoyable. It's about celebrating women surfing. So what's not to love? It's going to be such a good Saturday and props to you as well, Selena, that you know this was actually supposed to take place back in June and has just, because of COVID, has gotten delayed a few dates and a couple times. And I thank you so much for continuing to stay persistent with this and continuing to try and organize this against all odds because I think the women's surf community and the Gold Coast surf community is really going to benefit from it. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this Saturday and can't wait to be a part of it. And Shannon, I wish you were here to join us for it. Uh, It'll be great. I'm so looking forward to hearing how it goes for you both. Thanks so much, ladies. And like I said, appreciate the opportunity. And 2022 is only going to get bigger and better. So hopefully we'll be able to share more stories then. I love that. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Rachel, that was really cool to catch up with and actually to meet Selena for the first time. Um, As I have already said many times, I'm so jealous that I cannot be (laughs) at the Women's Surf Festival this weekend with you and the girls. Yeah, Shan, I loved that chat. Thank you so much to Selena for sitting down and giving us more information about that. I think it's going to be a great weekend and I'm really looking forward to being a part of it and yeah, just being able to sit through some of the other workshops as well. And I'm really interested in that and can't wait to talk about it on next week's episode on how it all went. Yeah. And you're actually going to be hosting a couple of panels, right, Rachel? Yes. I am hosting um, a panel with Jalon Slab, Mason Schremer, and Lillian Bowery. Um, We are going to be just talking about, for that one, we're talking about, it's an inspiration session and, you know, all of us have a commonality of being inspiring women. Sure. But they, we all kind of are taking our love for surfing into different career paths, I guess you could say, and where that's leading us with Jalon being like a, um, she's a surfboard shaper. We've talked about her before on the podcast. Mason's getting her business degree and, you know, where she may be able to link surfing up in that. Lillian has just shot a Netflix or she was an actor in like a Netflix series. So, you know, just some different stories there. But again, we all have that commonality of surfing and kind of how that links us through. And for the girls who will be listening, you know, just the different avenues that you can take. It's not all about being a professional surfer. And Shan, that's something you and I talk about quite a lot on like, just there's so many different places in those surf industry for all different interests and passions. So, um, and then the other one we'll be talking, I'll be hosting with Kira Molnar on helping people, you know, coming from girls being Kira and I, who do do surfing as more of a profession and how we really like get the most out of our session. And for maybe girls who are just learning or looking to really get more out of their session, like tips that they can do and that kind of stuff. So, but again, like, you know, Selena said, there's so many more workshops that are happening and then just that and really interesting conversations. So I'm getting a little bit nervous. I feel like this is a good (laughs) practice for me and like speaking and getting my speaking voice on. So um, yeah, I think it'll be great. Uh, I think that sounds so fun. You're just, you know, getting more skills every day that we continue to do this podcast. And um, (laughs) Thank you. I'm a resume builder. You're building your resume. Well, for those of you listening in that are on the Gold Coast or in Queensland, you can check out at Women's Surf Festival on Instagram. 
Even if you're not on the Gold Coast, actually check out the Women's Surf Festival on Instagram and get some inspirational ideas for something you can start maybe in your hometown. But for those girls that are able to attend, this is this Saturday, November the 20th in Kulingata. So you can get some tickets to the workshops, but otherwise you're able to just show up for free and enjoy everything else that's going on throughout the day. So check it out if you're on the Gold Coast, November the 20th, this Saturday. See you guys there. And now we're going to throw down to our friend Jess Grimwood on the grind. Hey guys, welcome to this week of the grind. Now there has been so much qualifying series surfing happening around the world. South America's QS regional tour has kicked off and they're on the map. The rankings are up for after that first event, the 1000 over in Florianopolis. The Jacksonville Supergirl Pro was on for the North American region and the end of the Azores Airline Pro happened um, just a little bit ago as well for the Europe region. So, so much surfing has been going down. This is all part of that new format, the setup into the 2022 Challenger Series. So a lot of these ladies have already been able to find themselves some pretty important points and rankings leads going into that next season and just setting them up for that Challenger Series. And then hopefully, like we've heard from a lot of them, Championship Tour qualification for 2023. So let's have a look at the results from the Azores Airlines Pro it was the Portuguese surfer, Teresa Bonvalot, taking the win over Paulina Du. So a pretty nice um, stacked final between those two really experienced QS campaigners for the European region. I'd like to make a special mention to, if you have been listening to The Grind every week, you will remember quite a few weeks ago, I hashtagged or earmarked the name Mafalda Lopez from Portugal. She's a really exciting new talent up and coming from the Europe region. And uh, from that Azores event, she landed a frontside rotation. If you get a chance, have a look at the replay on the World Surf League and have a look at the 10-point ride they threw down for that because it was so nice, really, really stylish and steezy. She got pretty loose with the tail at the end as well, but just so confident on the toes and pulled that for the 10-point ride and the first 10-point of her career, and I dare say many more to come. She is a really, really, I think, nice groundbreaking talent coming from the European region. We have a look at the rankings for Europe too. The Portuguese contingency is doing so well on the ranks there. And Teresa Bonvalot heads that up with 3,150 points so far for the qualifying series for Europe. Then we go back to Brazil for their first event for the women. It was the QS1000, the Layback Pro presented by Billabong in Santa Catarina, Florianopolis. And I just love the insane passion and energy that comes out of the Brazilians. They are such, such incredible surf fans. You could see the replays, the crowd there, everybody treating this whole, even though it's a 1,000 event, they were treating it like it was a championship tour event. And everybody's so invested. You know, there's good times going down, thousands of people at the event. And it was Laura. Rop, I think you pronounce her name as, the local lady who took the win over Peru's Melanie Gunter. Now, Melanie's a really experienced surfer as well. So for Laura to take the win and be chaired up the beach by her own community was really, really special to watch. I can imagine it would have been an incredible comp to be on the sand for. And it's really nice to see qualifying series surfing kicking off in pretty much the most dominant country for surfing at the moment. So you can see that new wave of talent coming through Brazil 
and you can just see the passion and the motivation that's coming behind there. I think they're going to be a real, real force to be reckoned with for the women's side of things over the next 10 years. When we look at the South American uh, rankings as well for the QS regionals, it's pretty incredible. I mean, they are so stacked at the moment. They have just got so many big names on that ranking. And uh, it is the local lady, Laura Rob, who is in the lead because of that first win. And then we cap off this week's grind with a Jacksonville Supergirl Surf Pro in Florida. And it was Alyssa Spencer who beat Caroline Marks in the final. Small conditions. Alyssa is just so dialed up and so dialed in that type of surf. And I think it's pretty safe to say she's secured her spot for the Challenger Series for next season in 22. So Alyssa just looks really stellar. She's super crisp. She's this well-rounded athlete. And she's pretty much, for me, leading the charge for the um, the best coming out of North America. So as you can see, the format's really bringing the cream to the top of the crop of these new regional US events. And let's see what the end of November and the start of December has for us in uh, QS. We'll talk to you next week on The Grind. Well, Shan, that is our episode for today. We here at the Double Up and Women's Surf and speaking pretty much just on behalf of Shannon and I and Aaron, um, we're working on editing things and doing things a bit different with how we structure our episodes and really trying hard to bring good women's surfing content. So watch this space. We're going to be producing episodes like this coming forward um, and just restructuring a bit from how if you have been following us for a while and listening to our other episodes. Things are in the process of changing and we'll look to see a little bit more of that in what that looks like in the next coming weeks. But that's all we have for today. Shan, anything else to add? Yeah. So if you like what we're doing so far, sign up for the newsletter on the website, give us some feedback, send any questions and topics that you'd like to hear about. As always, um, we did have some great feedback, Rachel, from our friend Nancy Chang, Nancy Nezi on Instagram um, in Taipei and Taiwan. You and I both know Nancy. We've served with her quite a bit from going over for the Longboard World titles a few years back. And she just sent Mm. such a sweet message. I thought I'd read it out. Hey, Shannon, I have been listening to the Double Up podcast since the first episode and love it so, so much. As Taiwan is still at the stage of the emerging surf culture, the people around are not really talking about anything like what you guys mentioned on the podcast. That being said, I get to grow my knowledge of surfing, be able to dream bigger and think of something new outside of what reality is telling me. She adds in a laughing face there. Appreciation to you, (laughs) Rachel and Aaron for what you're doing. So thanks so much, Nancy. We'd love to know that you're listening in. Oh, that and is so nice. Yeah, I just can't wait to get back to, to Taiwan and get in the water with her. Yeah, I just, again, Shane, like, you know, these are just messages that help encourage us. You know, not that we're going to be here week in and week out, whether we're getting the encouragement or not, because this is what we want to do and we're passionate about. But um, I just love hearing that because this is really what we're passionate about. And I just... It's so encouraging to hear that this is what other people are passionate about too and and that we're helping to increase that for them and you know in their world and surfing looks so different I think around the entire you know every place that you go to and what the culture looks like and you know the understanding of surfing and the embracing of it you know and we're talking about bigger things of like already into the nitty-gritties of women surfing you know and I guess saying that surfing is already widely accepted in the culture, but 
it's still such an emerging thing, like Nancy said, in Taiwan that, you know, their battles aren't just like, hey, let's increase more media on women surfing. It's like, hey, surfing's a thing. And like, let's acknowledge it more, you know? And yeah, I just think I just love getting reminders of those perspectives and um, hearing those voices. Yeah, I really love that as well. Just thinking about other things that we can be talking about, you know, to know that someone like Nancy is able to learn a little bit more about competitive surfing or, you know, the things that we're kind of struggling with in cultures and in countries where surfing is so well accepted and loved and like everybody and, you know, from the youngest to the oldest is learning how to surf. We're there. It's so brand new. I'm sure when she tells people she's a surfer, they don't even know what she's talking about half the time. I love, you know, knowing that we can start to have conversations along those lines as well. And maybe even to get someone like Nancy onto the podcast and to be able to ask her what what it's like to be there, what it's like to be one of the, you know, kind of like surfing has existed in Taiwan for quite a while, but to be able to hear from her, like what that grassroots movement is looking like. And I know that Nancy's competing mm-hmm. a little bit more now, and it would just be so cool to be able to hear more from what surfing is like an emerging nation like that, which is so different to the Gold Coast of Australia or Huntington Beach, California, where we're both located at the moment. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, um, we saw similar things when we had the longboard world titles take place in Hainan, China. Again, like the surf culture and how that was emerging was bigger year in and year out that we would come or like every single year we'd come back, it would just be bigger and more established and more people would understand it. And definitely so different coming from like, you know, what surf centric towns we have grown up in. So Again, just more perspectives and love tapping into that. So thank you so much, Nancy. Uh, Thanks so much, Nancy. We love you and we can't wait to get some more waves with you hopefully soon. And for those of you listening in, check us out online, www.womensurf.net. Email us info at womensurf.net and check us out on Instagram at womensurf underscore. And if you liked what you listened to, give us a subscription or a five-star review on whatever platform that you're listening to from that will just continue to help us on the charts that we are not yet existing <laughs> on, but we'll get us on there. Actually, Shan, I don't think I have done either. So maybe I will tip us, you know, maybe other people having me will doing that will help tip us into that. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go do that. I encourage you to do that. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and we will see you next week. Bye. We're talking about like how we were going to do the raffle and she's like, okay, I'll just do like a quick Q and A. And then, um, we, oh no, I burnt my, ah, oh, oh no. Oh no. I, um, I'm cooking breakfast and, oh, i just took my Turkish roll out of the toaster and it was really hot. So I quickly tried to throw it onto the chopping board on the other counter and I accidentally <laughs> accidentally threw it over the entire counter and it landed on the ground in the living room. Uh, I still have another piece to go. Anyways, sorry. So we were talking about how we're going to do this draw 